Mrs. Boyle's Ears. We read the Bible every morning in my first and second grade classroom. Actually, to be precise, our first grade teacher did all the reading since none of us but April Tyler could spell or read anything beyond cat or dog. April could actually spell the word Lord, a feat which she performed before the entire class following Miss Luthman's reading of the 23rd Psalm. I admit to being jealous that April was able to spell Lord, but I couldn't. It was especially painful since Lord was my last name, my full name being Charles Xavier Lord, but my friends all called me Charlie. They still do. In any event, Mrs. Luthman read the Bible every morning. Mostly it was the 23rd Psalm, but every so often she'd throw in the Ten Commandments. The stuff about not lying and stealing was pretty plain, but some of it was hard to figure out. The part about coveting your neighbor's wife and committing adultery was just as much a mystery as, to me as it was to my desk partner, Joey Shep, the mortician's son. Joey, what's adultery, I asked. I don't think God wants us to smoke cigarettes, explained Joey. I think he wants us to wait before smoking and drinking like adults. That made sense. Some months earlier, I'd stolen one of my father's lucky strikes and had gotten sick when I tried to smoke it. If all of adultery was like smoking cigarettes, then God didn't have to worry about me growing up too soon. Months passed. Seasons changed. I entered second grade on our teacher, Miss Plank, began teaching us the intricacies of addition and subtraction. She had a fondness for the book of Revelation. And right after the Pledge of Allegiance, Miss Plank would open up her King James Bible and fill our young minds with apocalyptic visions of the final days. Stars fell. The seas turned to blood. The sun turned black and darkness reigned. These readings disturbed me. I longed for the comfort and security of the 23rd Psalm. I made the mistake of telling Joey that I didn't like all the death and plague and destruction in St. John's Dark Missive. Dead bodies aren't so bad, said Joey. My dad lets me look at them sometimes when he's working. If you want, Charlie, you can come over and look at some dead bodies, too. I don't know, Joey, I, I, I said. I think that's a little too much adultery for me, I said. I'll bring you a finger, said Joey. I'll bring you a finger or an ear. You can do that, I asked. Sure, said Joey. What's a friend for? The school year came to an end, and I spent the summer playing baseball with Rochi, Joey, Vernon, and some other kids from the neighborhood. Sometimes we'd swim in the pond beyond the train tracks. Other times we would hang out. It was a good time to be a kid. The only problem that I had seemed to be my vision. I was having to squint to see things, and it was becoming more difficult to catch or hit a wiffle ball or baseball. I didn't tell anyone, though. I was already being, being called slant eyes because I was Japanese. I didn't want anyone calling me four eyes as well. Summer ended, and I entered the third grade. My new teacher, Mrs. Boyle, was a tall and gentle woman who bore an amazing resemblance to George Washington. She had white hair and a patrician nose. Her blue-gray blue eyes were wise and calm, and her teeth were slightly brownish, like rain-soaked maple. She even dressed like the father of our country, ruffled shirts and beribboned pigtail, buckled shoes and a gray waistcoat without collar. The only thing missing was a three-cornered hat. No, Mrs. Boyle's halo was a circular white pillbox that the current president's wife had recently popularized. Actually, there was another item missing as well, the Bible, that odd mix of beatific comfort and nightmarish allegory, was now banished from the classroom due to a recent court decision. A dictionary sat on Mrs. Boyle's desk, and after we recited the pledge, Mrs. Boyle would have one of us read a word in its definition out of Webster's, and thus began our long, slow journey from Ardvark to Zygote. Mrs. Boyle was also the only person I'd ever known who'd been born without ears. The sides of her head were flat and smooth with circular pink membranes of blue-veined blue flesh where her ears should have been. It was almost looking like looking at the sides of some amphibian's head, 
but in spite of this birth defect, Mrs. Boyle seemed to hear perfectly well. Obviously, the pink membranes conducted sound to the bones of her inner ear, but she did seem somewhat as sensitive to her lack of oral appendages. Several years earlier, she'd purchased a pair of molded plastic ears through the mail from a prosthetic manufacturing company. These ears attached to the sides of her head with some sort of adhesive cream, and when they were in place, it was impossible to tell that they weren't real. The only problem with Mrs. Boyle's mail-order ears was that they had a tendency to fall off her head. As you, might expect, as you might imagine, this caused a bit of commotion the first time it happened in class. April Tyler shrieked. Billy Howe fainted. Several of my classmates wet their pants, but Joey yawned and looked at me cowering under my desk. They're not real, Charlie, he said. Real ears don't bounce that high when they hit the ground. In time, however, the class grew used to the sight of Mrs. Boyle's ears tumbling from her head to the floor. I even took it upon myself to be the designated ear retriever. I used to sit and wait for one of them to fall off. Then I'd dart from my seat and try to retrieve it on the first bounce. Once in the middle of our spelling lesson, I dove from my seat and caught Mrs. Boyle's ear before it hit the ground, a feat which swiftly became legend on the schoolyard playground. These efforts on her behalf did not go unnoticed by Mrs. Boyle. As a reward for my service, she let me erase a blackboard and clap out the erasers. Once, she even let me thread the classroom projector. This momentous event took place on a Friday in late November, one week before Thanksgiving. It was a cold day, overcast, and as I walked to school that morning, a few snowflakes swirled down, from, swirled down about me from the gray sky above Mythic, Along the way, I passed the old harbor. The ships bobbed and swayed in their moorings. The gulls cried and wheeled about the barren ship masts. Men stood on the deck and drank coffee, smoked, and mended their lobster pots and crab nets. The world was as it was, elemental, solid and immediate, reduced to the lowest common denominators without apocalypse, without prophecy or portent. I arrived at school and spent the remainder of the morning making a pilgrim's outfit for myself out of black and white construction paper. I traced my hands outlined with brown crayon on a sheet of orange pasteboard and turned it into a turkey. After lunch, Mrs. Boyle let us put on our Indian and pilgrim outfits while she wheeled the projector out from the cloakroom. As she was preparing to thread the film through the projector, one of her ears fell off. I fished the ear out from beneath the hissing radiator that heated the room and returned it to Mrs. Boyle. Much to Joey's disgust, Mrs. Boyle thanked me by letting me feed the film through the projector's toothed gears and wheels. It's not like it's even a real ear, muttered Joey. Mrs. Boyle showed me how to turn the projector on and off. Then she walked to the front of the classroom and turned off the lights. She stood before us in the darkened room and spoke for a few moments about the struggles and hardships that the pilgrims had faced during the first years at Plymouth. Then she had me turn on the projector. The movie was a saccharine portrayal of the first Thanksgiving. The Indians brought corn on the cob and the pilgrims cooked a turkey. Miles Standish put the turkey on a platter and you could tell the bird was plastic by the way it bounced around on the plate. I looked over at Joey. He was supposed to be Squanto. He'd been too lazy to make a full outfit, and had just cut out one single white paper feather that he'd stuck in his hair. He was fast asleep. Suddenly, there was some shouting in the hallway outside our classroom. Joey woke with a start. The feather fell from his hair and spiraled to the floor. Mrs. Boyle went out into the hall to investigate. The pilgrims were in the middle of saying grace when Mrs. Boyle returned. Something was wrong with her face. It quivered and twitched. Someone in the back of the room began to cry. Mrs. Boyle looked at us and sobbed. The pilgrims had finished giving thanks and were in the midst of their meal. Mrs. Boyle's voice came to me in a series of protracted gasps. Turn off the ch projector, Charlie. I stopped crying and flipped the switch on the projector. The projector stopped running, but the lamp remained lit, and the image of the first Thanksgiving table remained on the screen in front of the class. Mrs. Boyle made us all shut our eyes and put her heads down on our arms on top of our desks. Then she told us that the president had been shot and was dead. I raised my head and looked at Mrs. Boyle. She was standing behind her desk weeping. I watched her as she reached up and pulled her ears slowly away from her head. She dropped them into a waste paper 
uh, wastebasket behind her desk. Then she turned and shared her grief with the emptiness of a dark corner. I looked up at the projector screen. The projector's bulb was too hot for the single frame of film, and a flame appeared in the middle of the Thanksgiving table. In an instant, the flame consumed the turkey, the corn, the Puritans, and the savages alike. I put my head back down on my arms and cried. I cried with an entire nation. There were no songs of comfort from or for the Lord, only dark revelations. A star fell, and the land filled with blood. Hey, Will Upmore. Turn your mic on, John. Hey, Will Upmore. Hey, John, man. How are you? I am fantastic. Uh, what do you think of that story? Um, it's great. Yeah, I've actually I've read it before, um, and it's always uh, it always gives me goosebumps. At the end there. Yeah, got me, gave me chills. Did you know what was going on, or did... Oh, I... Uh, it, but it's like a twist at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't expect that. What were you expecting? Um, I don't know. I thought something happened to her ears. Like they, <laughs> like they fell in like the toilet or something. So she was like earless. <laughs> That's why she was so sad. Yeah. Uh, well, who read that story? So um, the person who read that story is the same person that wrote that story. That is um, Bill Wetmore, my father, um, author, father of six, weird guy. Um, Easy. Take it back. Weird guy. So, yeah. Bill, say hello. Howdy. Bill, thanks yes, for sir. making it to Boise. Hey, I love being up here. I'm glad you're here. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you just read, where it came from. Well, that's a that's a chapter from a book uh, that I published a couple of years ago. It's called The Autobiography of Charlie Lord. Uh, it's a chapter called Mrs. Boyle's Ears. Uh, altogether, there are about 30 chapters in that book. But that I, I started writing that book back in 1983, I believe, 82 or 83, and I ended up finishing it in... 2017 <clears throat> so it took 35 years to to actually complete that so quick question how much of it did you write in 1983 and then how much from in the it, end so well in 83 i probably wrote i probably had like a hundred pages of like rough draft stuff written and then uh on july 4th of 2017 uh, your sister, Lily, uh, said, Dad, why don't you finish that book? I said, ah, yeah, I'll, I'll finish it someday. And she said, no, I mean, you're a really good writer. Want to finish that book. So she shamed me. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> so that day I went home and wrote a chapter um, about the 4th of July. And I wrote a chapter every day for the next uh, four weeks and by the end of July I had a book so. how much going back to like the source material you started in the 80s did you just pick up right where you left off or did you throw a bunch of stuff out yeah uh, yeah I threw a lot of stuff out okay. I used you know some of the things I, I used a lot of it I didn't use um, what would be the reason that you throw something out it wasn't good. It wasn't good? I didn't think it was good. I mean, or it just didn't fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because did you start it with an end in mind? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I wasn't exactly sure how it was going to end it. And uh, it became, as I s- started writing this, you know, a couple of years ago, it, as I was r- working on it, it, the ending became clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Which we haven't read. No, I, I, I that book's been on my nightstand um, for a couple of years now. And uh, before we get more into the writing process, Bill, um, I think we need some wine, Will. Absolutely. Let me um, go to the fridge. Go to the fridge. And while you're getting out of the fridge, I'm going to ask Bill one more hard-hitting question. 
Okay, and before uh, I go get the wine, yes. um, we have our executive producer uh, joining yeah. us tonight. Intr- please do introductions. Uh, this is Cody. How's it going? He's uh, he's gonna hopefully make the sound better on this thing. We'll see what I can do. It's gonna be good. Yeah, uh, getting getting a lot of complaints about or not complaints, some constructive criticism that the sound quality sucks, <laughs> and we realize that. Uh, so, Cody, I'm I'm very happy you're on board. Um. Yeah, and we'll have to figure out some sort of compensation for you. Um, I'm just glad to be here. <laughs> we got trust. We're we're very happy too. Hey, Will, while you're opening up that can of wine, it's, uh, it's uh, not not a can. Oh, it's not a can. Oh, I only drink from cans. Uh, I want to talk a little bit actually about the Wet Mon podcast. So we have seven published episodes. How many downloads do you think we have, Will? Oh, this is a great question. 769 oh man you went really high uh no we have <laughs> we have 457 downloads oh um how many of those are you and how, how many nah, of those are um you? well okay so um like 71 percent of our users go through apple podcasts to get the to get the uh to get the show um we have 248 downloads in the united states 13 in New Zealand, ah. uh, eight in Germany, six in Sweden, and then one in Hong Kong, one in Australia, <laughs> one in Northern Ireland, and one in Chile. Oh, Chile. Jacqueline, Jacqueline listened to all the Wet Mum podcasts when we were in New Zealand. So she's responsible she's for all it. seven. She's, well, there, there's 13, so oh, okay. she's, she's over half, though. Yeah, which is kind of cool for, I don't know, it's, it's great to go through the stats. Oh, that's great. Um. You got it. Did you get it open? Yeah, I got a wine open here. This is. Let me just pour it. Looks like a, looks like a white wine. Uh, one for one on these questions, there, John. Sweet. It, it is a white wine. Get Cody some. Mm. So this white wine is. Um, a grape called Moscato. Moscato. I've yeah. heard of that. I've drank a lot of it. Yeah, so it smells... So this is a dry Moscato. So it smells kind of sweet and grapey on the nose. Um, but if you sip it, it's kind of light, crisp, refreshing. Yeah. It's really, really, really good. Perfect for a night like tonight where it's kind of hot up here. It's swampy up here. Um, what does Moscato mean? Mus- I don't even know that. Moscato. I like... A Mr. Musk. It's a musky, so it's a very aromatic grape. Um, f- very floral, um, grapey. That's kind of a bad way to describe grapes, but it's grapey. It's mm-hmm. kind of like um, an over overdone version of something, you know. Yeah. So very aromatic. It's a very kind of ancient grape. There's over 200 varieties of it. it grows all over the world. Um, most people have probably had it um, made into a sweet wine. Um, I always get people say, oh, I, I don't like Moscato. It's too sweet. Um, but obviously, you can make a wine sweet or dry. Right. You could make a sweet Cabernet if, uh, if you wanted to. This is, not, this is not sweet. This is not sweet at all. Yeah, so it's bone dry. Um, and so this wine, uh, it's the Hat Ranch Winery 2018 Dry Moscato. It's actually won a double gold medal at that wine competition this year. Won Best White Wine. Um, it's an awesome wine. We make it every year, and it's really, really good. Um, but the reason I brought it tonight is because tomorrow morning, mm-hmm. it's 8 a.m., um, we're going to be out in the vineyard picking this grape from the same block to make uh, to press um, some grapes tomorrow. Um, uh, did, would you say that Dry Moscato is one of Hat Ranch's kind of signature wines? It absolutely is our signature wine. Yeah. It is um, a very unique style. People... You know, they try it once and they, they're kind of hooked on it. Um, yeah, it's a super refreshing wine. Do you, so do you feel like Moscato's just in general uh, have become more popular in the last like 10, 15 years? I think so because people are kind of recognizing it for all the different things it can do. Um, but sweet wines are super popular as well and they do make a lot of sweet wine out of it. Um, they can make sparkling sweet wine out of it. Um, so I think that's where it kind of picked up a lot of its traction was as a sweet wine. Um, but people in France have been making Moscato into a dry style for, 
for a long time. Um, it's just, I think in the U.S. market, we do have a sweet tooth. Um, so typically, we're going to be attracted to sweet varieties. And, and Moscato is great for that because it has that sweet floral nose and it kind of just pulls you in for something sweet and delicious. Whereas this one does that with the with the floral sweet nose, but then it's nice and dry and clean. Uh, I know this is one of your pet peeve questions, but I got to ask it anyway. Um, would you, what's like a traditional food pairing with this? Um, I think something salty. So like prosciutto. Beef jerky. Beef jerky would be great. Um, some melon would be really good on it. Maybe cantaloupe or... Um, but something I would say kind of lighter would be probably the best way to pair it because um, it is it is kind of light um, and fresh. So that's that's what I pair it with. But again, I don't, if you if you want to drink this with a steak, you should definitely do that. Should do it. Um, well, okay. Thank you, Moscato. Anything else? Any uh, final note or tip um, or anecdote we should know about? So um, the wine that I'm going to be making out of the Moscato this year is actually um, gonna be, we're gonna do the dry Moscato for Hat Ranch again, but I'm gonna make a fizzy sweet wine, which I've never done before, so it's gonna be a kind of exciting challenge for me to try to do a different style this year. And uh, Hat Ranch is gonna do that, or is it Veer? So that's gonna be under Veer Wine Project, because who knows how it's gonna turn out. (laughs) It's, It's aggressive. Can't it's, gonna wait. Be, it's gonna be good. Um, okay. Well, well. Let's uh, while we uh, sip this wine. Will I want to talk about where you've been since December? Is that when you left? Yeah, December. December seventh. I'm just joking. December twelfth. December twelfth. Uh, not December seventh. Um, and uh, that's why. So all, to our listeners, um, that's why we've been on a little bit of hiatus because Will's been out of the picture, and it's a two man show and. The van can't go on without uh, the band leader. Will, where have you been for you? So you got back to the states. I got when? back July thirty first okay. this year, um, and then I so I got to New Zealand middle of December um, to meet up with my wife who was working there as a phys- physician for September, October, November. Um, so I got down there. Worked for a winery for the seven mm-hmm. months I was there. Learned a lot um, and traveled a lot. Yeah. Had a wonderful time. Um, we will probably talk about it a lot. Yes. But yeah, we're going to do a uh, New Zealand-centric podcast uh, coming up because um, I went there too, and I went and visited Will and Jack on it, and it's, it's, it's incredible. Um, but we'll, we'll put a pin in that for until next time. Bill, back to you. Yes, sir. So, r- real kind of serious question, um, and I don't know how to say it without just, just, just coming out and say it. Is there any hardcore nudity in the autobiography of Charlie Lord? Oh, absolutely. I, I'm talking descriptive. Oh, absolutely. Like, sex. Yeah, yeah give, give us sure. what, what would, uh, yeah, where and when. <laughs> what page? Well, is that? <laughs> well, at a certain point, Charlie is he's uh, on his way. Whoa, I just to see this young woman. I can't even say this on a podcast when I just flip the page to. <laughs> and continue. He he uh, has to take a shortcut through a cemetery, and from the top of the cemetery, he can look down at a drive-in that's showing uh, porno films. Oh, <laughs> so there's a description of what Charlie is seeing on the screen there. So this is. <clears throat> The book is, uh, it's for young adults. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's, a, it's adult literature. Uh. <laughs> Fantastic. No. Uh, Bill, you mentioned um, in that section that you're, you're Japanese, or you're at least your character is Japanese. He's uh, half Japanese, yes. Half Japanese. And you yourself are? Half Japanese. Half Japanese. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm curious. I'm always curious because I'm the whitest white male uh, in, in the universe. I don't know. You have red hair. That's true. I do have so red hair. Kind yeah, of discriminated yeah. against. Uh, I want to talk about a little bit growing up, because I think you, you grew up on the East Coast. Grew up on the East Coast. Yep. And Jersey. Jersey. Talk a little bit about how that experience um, impacted your writing and maybe some of the stuff that's going on in the autobiography of Charlie Lord. 
Well, <clears throat> you know, they say fiction is the honest lie. So, you know, this is, it's a, the character is a lot like me, the character of Charlie Lord. Obviously, he's not me. But uh, there's another character in the book named Willie Wetmore who shows up. Uh, so he's he's me and not me at the same time too. But growing up, uh, growing up on the East Coast, you know, this was back. I was born in the mid '50s, and uh, went to, started going to school in the 1960s, and um, there weren't a lot of Japanese kids on the East Coast back in the 50s and 60s. You know, there was I'm sure there were quite a few. Uh, Asians living in California. There actually there are a lot living in California, but in New Jersey they weren't a whole heck of a lot of them. So um, I don't know that I had it any worse than any other kids growing up. I mean, everyone gets made fun of and bullied when they're when they're young. Um, but no, unless you're John, then you're a bully. Then you're a bully. So, but my experience is. Uh, as the son of a Japanese woman, uh, I mean, that definitely uh, figured prominently in all aspects of my life, you know. And uh, writing this book, I was able to use quite a bit of, you know, my experiences as a half Japanese person. And also my mother's experiences, you know. She was, uh, my mother came to the United States in the 50s. She was the first single Japanese woman led into the United States after World War II. Took an act of Congress to, to get her in here. Um, but she, her experience as a Japanese person living in America in the 50s and 60s wasn't always the, the most pleasant. You know, there was yeah. a lot of racism, especially in the aftermath of World War II. What what was the, the cause that brought her over here? Well, she had, my father... Uh, after the war was stationed in Japan before he got shipped off to Korea, you know, to fight in the Korean conflict. So that's where my parents met. Uh, after my father ended up getting wounded in Korea, he got sh uh, sent back to the States and he sent for my mom. He wanted to get, they, they, he wanted to get married. So she came over and uh, with the express purpose of getting married to so, my father. So why did it, take an act of Congress to get your mom into the U.S.? Because there was certain, there was certain legislation that if you were uh, uh, Japanese, you were excluded from, you know, being let into the country if you were unmarried. Well, I, I thought you were just being sarcastic. <laughs> no, no, no. Really so, yeah, I, I've probably heard all these, these sure. stories before. It's kind of... So I'm probably not going to ask a lot of questions because I know the answer, but yeah. I'm sorry about that. And I've also read this book, so I do have a little bit of insight on it as well. But yeah, it's wild. So you 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 grew up mostly in New Jersey. Yep. How did how did uh, writing come into the picture? When when I started, when you know, I always, <clears throat> you know, I liked writing. I liked taking English classes and things like that. And I had an English teacher when I was a senior in high school who said, well, if anyone's going to be a writer, it's going to be you, Bill. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't know about that. So um, <clears throat> so I, I've always been interested in telling stories, you know, even when the, especially when the kids were little, I would make up stories. Yeah, yeah, I still, I still remember a lot of the stories his Uncle Dan's Farm, some of my right. favorite stories growing up. And I thought they were like real stories, but they were just my dad's stories. <laughs> they, they, they were fake. <laughs> just made up yeah. stories. Just made up stories. So I always like, yeah, I, I like making things up. And uh, sometimes when I start writing, I, I, you know, the last book I wrote was called Unglued, the Book of Strength. Which is basically a biography. It's almost 300 pages. I wrote it in 17 days. You know. Yeah, and if you guys want to read my dad's books for free, just follow him on Facebook because he just posts them as he writes them. So you can just read yeah, the book as he writes them. You're not cash. You're like really. <laughs> so you need a financial. You're just giving away your yeah. uh, your secret. <laughs> you're giving away your intellectual property, which is worth lots and lots of money <laughs> no, nowadays. No, it's not. It's whatever. <laughs> um, 
sorry, go back to your, to your book. Oh, the book that you wrote that fast. Um, yeah, so the first book I wrote took 35 years. Yeah, okay. The yeah. second book took 17 <laughs> days. <laughs> so you should probably find somewhere in the middle of that. And Okay, so uh, writing process. You're, are, you, are you on a legal yellow pad, or are you just banging away at a typewriter? Uh, laptop. Laptop. Computer, yeah. Yeah. That's what I – That's uh, and I love – I love using a, a laptop. Because when when I first was writing, I had my father's old Remington Quiet Writer. That's a type of gun. No, that's a that's a typewriter. Oh. And it was, yeah, it was brutal, right? Trying to trying to not make mistakes because if you made a mistake, right. you'd have to. They, we didn't even have whiteout in <laughs> when I was started writing. <laughs> no right? joke, my dad. If so, if you would imagine somebody writing on a typewriter. Like an old school typewriter. Yes, my dad does that on a laptop, and he hits the keys just as hard. <laughs> do you do you hunt and peck? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, God, you're a monster. <laughs> I my my dad does that shit too, and I like, I'm like you look, you, <laughs> you look like a gorilla. Like I'm like, it's so funny to watch him. But I love um, using a laptop because I can make changes on the fly. Mm-hmm. You know and. And I uh, use Google Docs. You know, everything is cloud-based. I mean, you know, I remember 15 years ago forgetting to back something up and losing about, you know, three chapters worth of material. And you are known to be forgetful. Yes, I am. Yeah. Um, So writing process, let's get into that a little bit. So um, the autobiography of Charlie Lord... Uh, seems very personal. Your book of strafe is that what it's called? Yeah, unglued the book unglued. of strafe, it's it, a, and it sounds like that. It was very personal as well. Yeah, it's about a uh, young man graduates college. He's not really sure what he wants to do with himself and his his life, and ends up going to work in a glue factory. So it seems like a lot of your books have, to which do is with- what I did. I went to I worked in a glue factory. <laughs> yeah. I don't know for seven years. <laughs> That's what's wrong with your head. He sniffed all that glue. Yeah, that glue. Well, yes, that glue fat explains a lot about me, I'm sure. <laughs> well, it seems like a lot of your well, uh, your two stories, the book of Strafe and the autobiography of Charlie Lord, they kind of deal with like uh, changes. So like Charlie Lord's kind of going through puberty and a coming of age story. It's a coming of age story. Book of Strafe, it's kind of another coming of age story as well. Is that something that you kind of think you like to focus on or is that just a coincidence or no i think the the uh, i've got a book that i've written i've written a couple of pages <laughs> it's uh um it's about a, a guy who sells yellow page advertising so you know another thing that you did another thing i did <laughs> I've, I've had over 50 jobs okay name them off my... in two minutes oh i can't name Okay, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna go on this bird walk. What's been, what's been your what's been your best job you've ever had? Best job I ever is probably the one I have right now. And what do you do right now? I kind of do nothing. You're a writer. You're a published writer. <laughs> well, I actually I've got a job. Um, I broker uh, credit card processing so, deals. You're, yeah, so boring. Uh, What's that? It's it's great. You're not supposed to tell people this, Bill. No, it's (laughs) it's great. You're a predatory lender. We've talked about that. No, no, no. I don't do that. But I just kind of hang around all day long is what I do. And and writing is actually great. Writing is like, that's that's probably the best thing I've ever done. But there's no money in it. Sure, but... Tell that to to Stephen King. Well, yeah. There's money in it if you're Stephen King. Some of the best things to do are don't require you getting money for it so it's whatever um yeah it sounds like you're it is it is it is celebrating yourself it's really interesting to like get insight from your dad like his writing you know sure because it's just weird it is weird to have your dad write a bunch of shit and put it out to the world it's like you don't it feels like you didn't know you didn't know that and you should have but do you get embarrassed like Oh, he's going to talk about me or he's going to disclose. No, he's I've care. never done anything embarrassing. So, well, if there's like some liar or a family <laughs> or a family like secrets, like, oh, dad, oh, don't, no. be, don't, don't be an asshole. My dad is an asshole, so it's fine. Doesn't really matter. It, you know, it's kind of funny. I've, I've got uh, 
two brothers and a sister. You just got the stink eye from your wife, Will. Why? I, Calling your dad an asshole. I, I've got <laughs> I've got two brothers and a sister, and you know, they are were really nervous about what I was gonna write. Oh really? Oh yeah. Did you guys have just a kind of a weird growing up, like the the four of you, and, and was it? Did you have a weird dynamic, or does it like seem like a normal? It all seemed normal. Seemed normal. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, but. <clears throat> Every household is weird when you really think about it, you know. You yeah. don't know how weird it is until after you you leave. Sure, you can't you can't see your own crazy. Yeah, it's like the bird never sees the air it flies through. You know, the fish the, doesn't the, see the water. Oh man, I was, I always use that with my students. <laughs> the, the the last thing the fish realizes is the water it's swimming in. That's it. It's all context. Yep. Yeah, um, so, if if Current Bill is having the best job. What's the worst job you've ever had? <sighs> Let's see. The worst job. Uh, can't oh, can't be worked, anything worse than yeah, dealing yeah, with credit yeah. cards. No, the worst job I ever had was uh, when I worked at Bank of America. I worked at Bank of America for nine months um, in sales. Oh, it was brutal. The, the funny thing about my dad is every time he gets a new job, he f- fucking loves it yeah he thinks yeah, this, he, like this is gonna change my life yeah he's like oh this will be so great we got so many residuals yep. and blah, like, glue factory the future oh, yeah. it, the future <laughs> is glue. Glue. That, i gotta tell you the he's glue super factory, excited about all of his new jobs and then the glue factory like, was one later, of the like, oh, greatest man. jobs i ever had <laughs> it so, was awesome so sales you what what was shitty about bank of america other than the fact that it's it's corporate bank. it's a it's a bank it's corporate it's like you know the <laughs> There are a lot of psychopaths in banking, and like if you 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 go into a like bank you? and you start meeting you start meeting the managers, it's like, man, this guy is I wouldn't trust him as far as I could throw him, you know. And it's corporate America is full of psychopaths, sociopaths. Yeah, for is sure. Is that part of the next book? Yeah, I think so. That's great. Yeah, as a matter of fact, that'll be in that's in that in the book that I'm writing about the yellow page. It's called, it's called yellow. It's called yellow. I uh, love it. Yeah. yeah. Cause the Japanese part too, maybe. Ooh. Uh, yeah, probably double entendre. Yeah. Um, so what? <laughs> your, your wife is like looking at you. I know, scance, I know. You know? I, she shouldn't be here. Yeah. Jacqueline's <laughs> always welcome. Uh, we're going to podcast with her here coming up fairly soon. Uh, so, Bill, uh, you so you you've turned out two books in three years, a couple of years, yeah. a couple of years, two, two years. Books I've years. got a couple of short. Sounds like you've got right now. Oh, you do. Tell yeah. us about those. Uh, one is called the. I just uh, published one in June and one in July. One is called the Stars. It's about a woman, the guy who meets this woman, who's tattooed from head to toe with little pale blue stars in the shape of constellations and um then a, the other story i'm trying to think of the other story that was published do you remember carpenter. oh the carpenter in the coffin it's about a carpenter builds uh um coffins for his children who are two of them eight oh i read that yeah. you put that online i read yeah, it yeah 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 and I, I don't think i actually know what this one is yeah i did i read it I actually read the whole thing yeah, yeah. So that got published uh, last month. Cool. Do you know one time um, I found a box of my dad's old creative writing? Oh, I was gonna say. I was hoping you'd say nudie magazines. <laughs> no. Uh, and so I found it, this box that I don't know why we had it, but I was in high. I was a senior in high school, and I found this box of Bill Wetmore essays from his freshman year creative writing class. Mm-hmm. And one time I had to write a creative. Writing paper. He plagiarized your dad. I <laughs> he did. Stole a page from my dad, and I got a ninety-nine out of one hundred. <laughs> and put in advanced honors. It was English for one week. Oh my god! It was so they caught on to you. So that was that was really fun. So basically, that's like half of it because the story was like about a clown named Yorvit. Yorid. Yorid. I got. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm rewriting that now. It's, okay. So, anyways. I don't know. It was maybe like a six-story or six-page story, and it's it's kind of wild how it's written. But so I took a page 
and I wrote my one-page essay out of it. And then my buddy took a different page from the same <laughs> essay and wrote it down, and he got a 98 out of 100. Wow. And it was two. It was the same story, two different pages of this two short story. Um, but we told our teacher that we wanted to write about the same character yeah. in a different style. That's incredible. <laughs> that. My only hope is that uh, you're you. They hear some <laughs> the California school and... district hears this and revokes your your high school diploma. I don't know. I mean, what we did was pretty ingenious. Yes, it really was. It's nefarious too. That's fantastic. How do you feel about that? Your son, the uh, plagiarizing monster. Well, so here's the deal. All of my siblings like really into to like reading and writing. Like they're all creative like that, and I'm not. So I, I was just trying to fit in. <laughs> Fair enough. That's great. Oh man, hey, uh, I, uh, Will Wetmore. John Munn. Uh What's that right there? Is that Bill's <laughs> wallet? Oh my god. Uh, can we? What's in your wallet? Can we do what's in your wallet segment yeah. real quick? What's in your wallet? All right. So uh, for our new listeners. We have an ongoing segment where Will Wetmore goes through a person's wallet, and uh, Bill's wallet was just sitting on the table. We couldn't. There's, really there's nothing. Pr- I hope to God there's like a. <laughs> no, con- there's nothing. I hope there's a condom in there. <laughs> no, there's. <laughs> okay, so uh, des- describe the wallet. Describe okay, the wallet. Uh, so this wallet is, it is a dark brown leather wallet, with what, a. What's in your wallet? With a flippy ID thing. Of course, there's no ID in it. Okay. Um, so well, there was an ID in there. Yeah, why don't you have an ID? Well, I went through the the TSA checkpoint. I had to take the, the ID out. Oh, I just, and, and then you didn't put it back I in? I didn't put it back in that spot, but I put it back in the... It's in there. It's in there. Oh, <laughs> you just didn't put it back in the window slot. <laughs> no. where it's supposed that's, to that's such a Bill Wetmore that's thing. Such a, that's just such a Wetmore thing, period, to do. That's true. I could totally see you doing that. Yeah, actually, I do the same thing, Dad. I bet... No, I got it. I got it in there. Okay, so sorry. Back to the wallet. Um, so nothing in the ID flap. He's got a tile, <laughs> so he can. Oh, you so have a can, tile too. So he can find his ID. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. I I uh, I used to carry a tile in my wallet too. All right, we have a coupon. Miss Clean, starting at fifteen dollars an hour. New Heather, clients. Heather Rolka. So you, it's a cleaning coupon. It's a cleaning coupon. Yeah. Do you know that person? Is that if you need like a body or, removed? Yes, yeah. I I've known Heather for eight nine years. Why did she give you that? Because she, I need so I need a house cleaner. Okay. Wait, you own a house? No, I rent a house, but oh. I you know I'm too lazy to clean it, so yeah. I need a house cleaner. No, yeah, sounds about right. Uh, we have an instant issue debit card because you probably lost your other one. Yes, I did. Yep, absolutely. Can you give me, you give me the, the three digits on the back of that? Four, <laughs> seven, five. Four, seven, five. Stop. Of course he lost his of debit card. Of course I lost where'd you Where'd you lose your debit card? Now, if I knew that, I wouldn't have lost it. So, Dad, how many times do you lock your keys in your car a month? It's only been once every uh, three months this year. How many times? Do so you three. Lose so your hold on, you've lost it. That means four times. Yes. One, you've locked your keys in your car four times. <laughs> yes. What's the record for one month of locking your keys in your car? Uh, one month. It well, not this year, but I think last year it was two or three times. Yes. Three so times three you months. just no hide keys in your area. Can't can't make a copy. Lose. No, I lose them. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, how many times uh, you run out of gas in the last year? I used to run out all the time. Lately, never. I used to run out. Yeah, how many times? I don't even want to say. No. I ran out of gas this summer. That's my thing. I ran out of gas this summer, and I, I, I'm probably twice a year like running out of gas. I was running out of gas uh, because I was driving a Prius. So you never had to fill it up? Yeah. So I was just forgot. I just forgot, and then next thing I know, I'd be on the mountain and be like, "Uh-oh, I got, I got no gas." I'd have to wait for like someone to give me a ride into town. 
Yeah, he's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was uh, happened all the time. Now the car that I drive I only get twenty miles a gallon, so I'm always checking the fuel. Yeah, yeah. You because you bought a bunch of like retro cars. Yeah, I got like six car six cars right now. So you're doing with you, so you're doing with your book money? Yeah, my book money, your, your book. my millions of dollars oh, in man. the book money. So. Yeah, yeah. So I got yeah, I got I got a whole bunch of bunch of cars. Yeah, the they only, never run for more than a week. No, that's not true. Some run for like a couple of months. <laughs> What's in what? What else, what else is in the wall? Okay, so Amazon.com rewards. I could take this. It's got my name on it. It does have your name on what? it. What? Uh, business platinum debit. You have a business? Yeah. What? I love my um, my own my own <laughs> monkey business. Mind no, your I'm own broken. Mind your I'm own broken business. I'm brokering uh, uh, credit card processing. Oh, so that's deals. your own business. Yeah. Oh, tell oh gotcha. Tell them what your business is, the name of your business, and what you do with your business. Karen's Karen's heckling Bill from the background. Oh, what yeah. What's your brilliant but idea? It's not been brought to fruition yet. Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah. Come on. You forget your own business idea. Which one was that? The one where you're going to give back. Like, if you, you know. Oh, so yeah, 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 yeah. Giving yeah, back. Cool. Loser. Abandoned dog. What's your abandoned dog idea? <laughs> it's, yes. So what I do is I have a business called um, Community Payment Processing. And so uh, a certain percentage of the funds that uh, of the revenue that I generate for myself. A certain percentage of the profits are kept in the community. So, like, um, uh, there's a couple of different organizations. Orphan Dogs, one. Uh, Lake County Family Resource Center uh, that get 15% of the, the profit. Yes. And that was that you came up with that. So you kidnap a dog, and fifteen percent of the ransom goes to a shelter. Um, well, Orphan Dogs is an organization that uh, spays and neuters dogs, and then places them in in homes. Yeah, and then Lake Family Resource Center. Uh, they do. They have a lot of programs for teens. Lake County is full of a lot of teenagers who. You know, they they're homeless essentially. Was it terrifying raising three kids there? No, not really. You know, it's actually it's actually kind of a good place to to raise kids. At least for those people who are responsible enough to actually acknowledge the fact that they have kids <laughs> and want to raise them. Yeah, it seems hard. Okay, uh, what else is in there? Wells Fargo rewards boring. Another Wells Fargo. Why do you have so many Wells Fargos? Because I always lose those cards, and they send me up new ones. Gotcha. Uh, community first. What cards? What's those are? Are they, those are just credit cards? Yeah. Do you have, how, why do you have so many credit cards? I don't have a lot it's of. It's a personal cards. question. Okay, that's fine. All right. Uh, so just, that is a shit ton of plastic, though, Bill. <laughs> I have no debt, though. I pay those off as soon as I run a transaction on them. How, count, how many, count how many like credit debit cards are right there. Wait, there might be more. Okay. No, I think we're good. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven, seven plastic bank cards in Bill's wallet. Good, good news, guys. We found the ID. Whoa, these look so What's, weird. What are, his sta- what are his stats? How tall is he? All right, here we go. Um, coming in at... Five feet, nine inches. Oh, I think you shorted yourself. A 5'10". I know. At a slim 190. Well, <laughs> 215. Come on, Dad. What are you doing right, what are you right now? 215. Maybe 220. I'd say 215. I'm going to say 215. You carry it really well. It's all, all in the gut. And then uh, he wears corrective lenses. Because <laughs> if you saw this guy... How scared would you be? Uh, <laughs> they made me take my glasses off. I'm like, I'm like, they're like taking. Gla- I'm like, I wear glasses all the time. I never go without my glasses. You need to take them off. I'm like, why? You know, because it's the the rule. Well, it's a stupid rule. You can't smile either, Dad. It, it looks. I know they made. You know, it's like. Can we take a picture of that? It's like a. Mu- it's it's worse it, than a mugshot. It's terrible. It's like a. Uh, it's like a. 
It's like you, no one ever taught you how to open your eyes. So you just opened them as wide as you could. Uh, out of control. Oh, man. But we're, we're putting that up on the website. Okay. And then um, looks like a bunch of business cards. I won't say them. And rewards card. All right. It's kind of boring Re- wallet. Rewards yeah. card for what? Um, O'Reilly's. Yeah, like, oh, because you fucking have so many <laughs> shitty cards. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> What's your uh, best shitty car right now? 2001 Audi Quattro TT. Oh, that's God. my girlfriend car. It's for your girlfriend? I love it. She likes Can't it. Wait. Nice. Okay. The thing is, it, it's, um, it's a great car. Handles well. It's fast. Only breaks down twice a month. I love it. How do you live your life? Like that would be so stressful to just always be stuck on the side of the road. I care. I, I, in the world of stress, I never, I don't stress about anything. I make other people stress about things, but I never stress. Yeah. About you anything. do stress out a lot of your family members. <laughs> I do. I don't know why. You don't stress me out, Bill. No, he's, he's all right. Bill's the best. You know what? On that note, I think we're going to wrap up. Bill Wetmore, uh, my second father, I love you very much, and thank you for coming up to Boise this weekend. This has been great. Hey, glad to, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Love you, Dad. Okay. And Cody. Love you too, Will. Thank you for being here. Oh. Love you, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Peace.